You're listening to the Gov Future podcast, highlighting discussions and insights around innovative technology impacting the public sector. Hear from experts working with and inside the government on ways that technology is shaping the future of the public sector. On this episode, we speak with Gopa Nair, Innovation Adoption Lead, Centers of Excellence at GSA Technology Transformation Services, TTS. Gopa shares the role that automation, especially robotic process automation, RPA, is playing at federal government agencies. He provides examples of the benefits and efficiencies automation is providing to different government agencies, including success stories that others can learn from. He also highlights the challenges of making automation work in a public sector environment. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to the Gov Future podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ron Schmelzer. And we've had many great conversations recently here on the Gov Future podcast. You've been tuning in. You might have heard some of our interviews with CIO of Department of Commerce or at OPM, or maybe even some of our interviews in defense with some of our folks in the various different agencies, but even some of our state and local uh, perhaps you may have heard the interview with uh, CEO of the court system in New Jersey or uh, Maricopa County. And what you hear when you hear all of these things is that technology is transforming public sector across the board uh, in all sorts of ways. And yes, we hear about AI every day, all day, but it's not always about AI. It's automation and it's analytics and it's big data and it's cloud and well, quantum even, let's throw that in. So there's lots of great innovation happening here, and that's what we're covering on the Gov Future podcast. So you can really hear from these public sector thought leaders some of these insights into how governments are adopting transformative technology and helping you, our listeners, and our Gov Future members hear some of these latest innovations and ways to stay ahead of what's happening in innovation in the public sector. And for our listeners that are new to our podcast, welcome. We're excited that you found us. And we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so you can get notified of all of our upcoming episodes. If you're not familiar with our GovFuture community, GovFuture is the fastest growing community of government innovators. You can learn more at GovFuture.com. And we really like to bring together folks from all across the public sector ecosystem. As Ron mentioned, we've had many wonderful interviews and we have many more lined up, including the one today, because it's important to hear all of those different perspectives. So for today's podcast, we're excited to have with us Gopa Nair, who is Innovation Adoption Lead, Centers of Excellence at GSA Technology Transformation Services, TTS. So welcome and thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, first of all, thank you, Kathleen and Ron, for having me here. It's so exciting to be on your podcast. I really appreciate the opportunity. And thank you for having me here. Yeah, we're really excited for the discussion today. And we'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background, your current role at GSA, and maybe also the technology transformation services in case our listeners are not familiar with that. Thank you, Kathleen. Again, as you introduced earlier, I will go a little more in-depth to my introduction. My name is Gopa Nair. I am one of the innovation adoption leads with the Centers of Excellence, which is within TTS, which is Technology Transformation Services. It's again with GSA. Uh, Technology Transformation Services is entrusted with the uh, mandate to help agencies modernize. So the Centers of Excellence main job is to help federal agencies uh, accelerate the IT modernization. 
the way we do it is uh, we bring experts from the industry as well as the federal uh, government and coming together uh, we help um, the agencies to accelerate their IT modernization efforts and in a broad scale um, that is what we do uh, from a center of excellence part and the TTS on a on a little more broader scale uh, is mandated to 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 do this in a broader scale wherein we combine all the expertise and we help agencies to accelerate their modernization. Yeah, so maybe you could talk a little bit about sort of your background as well. Like how did how did you get here? You know, <laughs> what brought you to this role and uh yeah, maybe a little bit of background. Awesome. Um around uh, before joining government, I think I was in the private sector also working on automation. Uh, maybe now if I look back, it has been so many 15 years or since I've been in the space when I first I saw an application where people were copying and pasting um that is when i thought this has to be different um uh, and that led me into the automation journey back in those days rpa was just coming along not even there uh, we had some other desktop automation i embarked on that help in uh, installing desktop bots then came rpa help uh, introduce a center of excellence in rpa in a private sector uh, from there um, i moved on to government i was so fortunate to help with uh, start with uh, when I joined COE, I was able to start with Department of Labor, um, then established a center of excellence with Department of VA um, and a data science center of excellence at VA, um, then eventually helping USDA doing um, intelligent automation center of excellence. So all my years, the journey was about automation, um, bringing in the right tools and the right technology for the right use case. That's how I term it, uh, which is very critical. It, it is important to make sure the right technology is used, um, the right um, processes automated in the correct way and the correct manner. And one more thing I want to um, share based on the background uh, in this in this uh, this time is that as part of this, what we have done is we came up with a tiered approach to automation. Uh, meaning uh, tier one is an easy RPA kind of automation where you can use RPA tools. Second is where we also found there are a lot of uh, models uh, which the cloud service providers are providing, and there could be use cases which can match those tools already in agencies. And this was a discovery during this journey we encountered, and we thought that is also one more tier which we should promote this automation like wherein agencies can use the already trained models which are provided by the CSPs. And the tier three, which is more complex, and that is where custom modeling and things like that come out. So the if you ask me the background, um, the way we approach automation right now is a, to, to, through this tiered approach, wherein tier one, you have this RPA thing, um, tier two is using the available models, and tier three is the custom modeling. And we also see a combination um, in recent uh, one of our recent um, uh, recent uh, pilot. Uh, we were able to combine um, two of these, um, an existing model as well as an RPA project. So, in in terms of background, yeah, that is that is what I've been doing, and that's what I'm pursuing now, and that's what I'm interested in. Yeah, well, it's worth worth digging a little bit deeper into that because I know that automation uh, just by itself offers such a huge potential of for return on investment. 
in in many applications. You know, and for for our listeners here who may not be familiar with, of course, you may be familiar with sort of traditional forms of automation, say hardware. Of course, you have robots and things, and that's how we build factories and assembly lines by automating things. But of course, there's a lot of the work that we do today is uh, white collar work, service work, knowledge work. And a lot of that work, also highly repetitive, error-prone, all the things that we'd like to apply automation to solve is, of course, applicable to automation, recovering all that time that uh, people who could otherwise be providing higher-level services could do, or perhaps eliminating some of the errors or uh, making processes move more quickly 24-7. There's so many value proposition points here for the power of automation. So maybe let's get into it a little bit here. The question for you is like, so how do you see that value proposition? How do you see, you know, the role of automation and RPA? Maybe in, as you've seen all these applications, you talked about labor, you talked about USDA and VA, so many different uh, groups. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how you're seeing RPA and automation uh, in the in the federal government, its adoption and, and its uh, return. Yeah. Ron, that's a great question. Um, and 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 the way I'm going to address this role is slightly different from the traditional things which you see. And um, as you rightly said, we all know that automation helps in automating manual tasks and give time back. Um, but I see something even beyond that. Um, I, I want to touch that um, that part a little more as a highlight of what I have experienced. As everybody knows, um, automation helps in um, in automating manual tasks as well as reducing errors, um, making sure the risk is addressed, those kind of things, and also um, integrating silos. Right, there are a lot of systems which are dis- in uh, in different different silos, but some automations is able to bring all those things together. Those are the tangible ones, but I want to I want to talk about two intangible ones, and one is something. What I have experienced is when when we roll this automation out, when people then realize, oh, this is different, that moment, that thinking ability to for people to say that and think that this can be different is what RPS provided as an intangible benefit about how they work, right? This can be different. RPA has helped or automation has helped to people to think that, hmm, this should not be the same way. There should be a better way to do this. And that process and that 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 mindset of, oh, now it can be automated. Now it can be think differently is number one. And now with the new executive order, which has come out, right? And obviously it paves way for a safe and secure AI. Um, and, and it will support um, the new executive order in terms of implementation and in terms of um, moving forward because the RPA and the automation has laid the foundation and I would say a little springboard. Now the AI and the other things can build on top of that. There are a lot of similarities there. Um, so that is where the new executive order is really going to help. Um, and also the automation which has happened so far is going to pave way for a safe and secure way of how that can also be done. So, in summary, I would I would just summarize in um, two things. One is the shift in mindset in people for the art of possible in government, and of course the other tangible things about saving time, reducing risk, and um, 
and that's that's a new beginning and that's how it's going to be moving forward i think that's the role i think automation has played um right now in the federal space yeah you know it's interesting that you say that because as we've watched adoption of automation and rpa technologies we've really seen that it's taking the robot out of the human right where it's allowing the human to free up their time to do higher value tasks and maybe tasks that they find more enjoyable. So, you know, the opportunities I think that it's created and that mindset shift that you're talking about really has been, um, you know, wonderful to see. But like any new technology um, and, and technology in general, you know, there can be challenges with it. Uh, and that can be for a variety of different reasons. So can you share with us maybe some of the challenges that you've seen when it comes to automation adoption in the government? Um, as you rightly pointed, I think, Kathleen, you are, you're hitting the right point there. There are challenges, as any emerging technology, any tech, any change in behavior is going to encounter resistance from human beings. And um, And this is also not different. So I would say the first challenge uh, for any uh, uh, technologist or anyone who's trying to um, implement new technology is to embrace the resistance um, and understand why it is coming from or where it is coming from. A lot of times um, we think that, oh, we have this awesome technology going to save you so much money. It is going to free up all those things. But if you don't understand the human aspect of it, you are going to have some more difficult path forward. Um, so I, I will address it in two ways. One is the human aspect. The other one is the financial aspect and the process uh, and technology aspect, right? Uh, from a technology point of view, the challenge is making sure um, your hardware, your infrastructure, all those is in place. Even um, the IT department's buy-in for any of these things are very, very important. And you should make sure they are um, on this, on, on they have a seat at the table from the get-go. Similarly, um, our data folks, um, security folks for my, for that matter, those people have to be at the table from the beginning. That's challenge. Otherwise, it will become a challenge. The now, let me go into the details of the people side. As I started off with the resistance, um, the other important fear. There is a fear among people because when these bots are doing their work, there is a fear that they're going to lose jobs. Um, it is so, so important for any team who's going to implement to make sure that is addressed in the right way. Um, because, because that can that fear can create um, cultural issues within the teams, within the organization. And the way to address all this is a proper change management and governance. When I say change management, this is where you go deeper to understand what is the human aspect of human need, what is the fear. And when you understand that, you are able to bring those who are resistors and move them into the neutral state or as a helper or as a champion so that they don't become um, the hindrance to the progress of automation. So in, if I want to conclude with this uh, challenge aspect, Obviously, there are technical challenges, there are budget challenges, um, which gets addressed. But the most important challenge, uh, what I see should be taken care of, is the people side of it. And oftentimes, as technologists, we kind of miss it. Um, that is where I want to highlight that 
that is also very, very important to address the human aspect of it and take care of it so that the resistance is less and you can manage the resistance so that everybody can embrace this awesome technology which you're bringing to the table. That's fantastic. Well, I know that uh, you know, obviously, usually it's the people and process side of things are much more challenging than the technology side of things. The technology is a tool to let you do things. It's just people. Uh, it's kind of funny how you were mentioning resistance and resistor because uh, I'm like a computer science electrical engineer. And kind of started thinking, oh, yeah, resistors, you know, they generate heat. <laughs> you put them in a current, right? And then you're thinking about like, well, these other components in a circuit are capacitors. You guys are like capacitors. You're storing a charge, right? You're releasing a charge and you're trying to create this loop, right? And like reduce impedance. I'm thinking, hey, this is an electrical thing here. Well, that's exactly what we're trying to do. So, uh, but I don't want to get too technical for our listeners here. Let's go focus more on the uh, more business return because I know one of the challenges here we have is, okay, we hear some of the, the challenges in the technology, but there have actually been real uh tangible returns quantified returns uh you know across the board and so maybe you could share a little bit given your experience working across all these uh agencies you know what have you seen as some of these uh examples or perhaps uh some 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 cases here of some of these benefits and efficiencies that automation has provided to uh government agencies and and the various uh, groups that you're working with um, thank you, Ron, for that question about um, the um, what is the benefits uh, this provide. I think I earlier alluded to some of those things, but a little more um, going in depth here. Again, I, I want to go a little non-traditional as always. Um, the the real benefits when when you see people talk in terms of numbers, um, but there are stories behind uh, many of these these aspects. Um, and and the way I would approach is. Uh, if you go to digital.gov, I think there is so much information about the use cases, um, the success stories, and and a lot of people are publishing about this, that we have saved this much man hour, this much man hour. Uh, but the way I want to highlight that is when one person gets a social security benefit earlier, or that address, that 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 issue is addressed in time. There is a human behind that problem. And that is where the benefit of automation helps because there is life and there is a human behind that. And that has an impact. And in, when you go to VA, um, there are so many patients who are waiting for their claims, who are waiting for some um, prescriptions. There are so many things which are very, very um, human there. And if you can get things faster, um, that's that's a huge thing, which is not, which cannot be just said in numbers. Those are stories, uh, powerful stories of, of the benefits which um, the federal government is providing to the citizens. So that is the one thing which I want to highlight. Apart from the um, early wins in HR and finances, where you have seen that is our internal processes. Um, then we also transform the core business aspects, uh, business processes. All this thing is great, but I want to highlight um, the the way the service to the citizens um, that is where automation has made a huge impact. And if we started creating stories of the stories, I think every federal agency can release many stories a day. Um, but but that is that is a power behind this. So um, the benefit, of course, you have the numbers, you have the dollars. But I want to encourage people to see 
um, the human side of it, wherein you also see the service you provide to the American public. That has that that is about life, and that is much more powerful than some of the other things which you try to see. Yeah, that's great. You know, and we always love to hear about automation use cases and automation ROI, and and to share that message because I think that so many different agencies can learn from you know, what others are doing. So it's always great to have that platform for sharing and collaboration. Speaking a little bit more broadly now around the topic of data, because I think that uh, every government agency has lots of uh, data that they can use, you know, and data is just continued to be created at um, astounding rates. And automation can help us, you know, make better sense of our data. So how do you see federal agencies harnessing the power of data to drive informed decision-making and also improve citizen services? Again, um, you're hitting another very interesting topic about data-driven decision-making. Um, and and also, um, this is this is just two ways. One is the data-driven decision-making, as well as it creates um, the power for people to see what's happening to the service we are providing to the public um, because of this data, right? Uh, so there are two aspects with the main problem right now is, as you all know, uh, we have all these monolithic systems where the data is so disparate and siloed. What automation or even, even uh, RPA, if a bot is able to go and get information from this screen and that screen and three screens and put it together into one, and present it to the decision maker as, oh, this is what you've been looking for. I don't have to now go into different spreadsheets, but I have this information right here. That enablement is also a very powerful. And right now, instead of a person going around and searching for what it is, what it is, it is all presented to him or her to make the decision um, by, by bringing all this data together. Now again, what it what it does is um, this automation, because of all the disparate systems, the main benefit is to bring things together. Now that also has different levels. Now a bot can go and uh, screen scrape from different screens and bring it together, um, which might not be scalable. But what has what this has done is now this has opened eyes for various other new technologies to be used or emerging technologies to be used so that people can get data. Now, when we talk to various CIOs or even to the business folks, now they they want like the emerging technologies. They want to ask a question. Instead of reading a spreadsheet, they want to ask a question. They want to get the answer. That is what they are looking for because the data is already there. You are already doing everything. Now, instead of I, the, the decision maker going and seeing the data in different spreadsheets, he or she can ask the question to this thing and it can give options. And then the decision maker can make a decision. That is a power, I think, again, automation in terms of decision making is going to give. And um, as you have seen, the RPA was like basic, um, you know, the basic thing with a lot of, not much of um, bells and whistles, but as you know, the future of technology, which is offers. It is going to that space wherein I, I we can actually ask questions and we can get answers to make a better decision. Yeah, fantastic. That's actually honestly great. Obviously, automation and data 
enable this great capability. Some of the things we're just talking about right now are this AI-powered large language models. I think that's sort of that, when you were talking about transformation earlier, it's not just the transformation of the process or transformation of the technology, it's also transformation in the way people think. Because when you introduce automation, people say, like, I hadn't really even thought necessarily of all the things that I could possibly do, let alone the things I'm doing now that I can do better, more repetitively, et cetera. You were were saying that earlier. And I think this question answering thing that you're talking about is one of those transformational ways of thinking, you know, because kind of like, what's the purpose of a dashboard? You know, you you log into an internet or something, you see a chart. Well, it's supposed to give you some understanding of data, but maybe for you, that's not that helpful. Wouldn't it be nice if you could ask a question, be like, what does this mean for something in March of 2024? And instead of like just fiddling with the graph, you can ask the question and get the answer. That I think is the transformational thinking. Maybe we don't need dashboards anymore. Maybe we don't need charts. Maybe, you know, we could just have the data literally at our fingertips and use the power of natural communication to get there. I think that's one of the great things. That this That's the transformational moment that we're in right now. And I think it's really very powerful. So uh, I guess, uh, well, I don't want to go too further on that, but it's like really, really, I don't even want to speak to that, but that's, it's really very transformational from that perspective. Yeah. So I guess my, my next question to you has to do with like, you know, how do you, how does the GSATTS collaborate with other relevant agencies to expand usage and adoption of emerging technology, as we mentioned, automation and analytics, and now increasingly AI? Um, no, thank you, Ron, for that question. Um, again, we we are um, federal employees, as everybody knows, uh, within within the GSA uh, Technology Transformation Services. We all we are also cost recoverable, uh, which means we work as internal consultants. Um, what we provide is an unbiased uh, way of analysis so that we can make the right decision. We are not biased based on anything. We are just biased based on public service. What's the best for the American public? I think that's where we look on. And 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 now into getting in the tactical part of it, how we work with agencies is we, once the interagency agreement is signed, we then have a discovery session. We find what is the current state as anybody would do. When it comes to the technology side, we we have a number of things which we consider to make sure they are again looking at the right technology um, and also um, the cost of total cost of total ownership. It is not you know, this is very shiny object right now. This is what everybody is doing. Let's go after and do this. But we are there to remind them of the total impact. I mean, security being a main main thing which we bring to the forefront, uh, to making sure that that perspective is always addressed. Um, and and there is no bias for us in terms of what technology, what vendor, those kind of things has to be used. And um, the the two other important aspects is, as I mentioned earlier, the change management aspect, the people aspect is also very important. We bring to the table. And last but not the least, in our prior engagements, uh, we hear people saying, oh, what have you done in that agency? What have you done in that agency? That's what we want. That's what we want. We hear that thing coming up a lot. Oh, we want what you did in... Um, in fact, some of the work which I did was because of my previous work uh, in agencies. And that's how people, oh, we want you to come and do the same thing here. So that's exactly how, because the best practices we create, we share those things. We have um, guides, we create playbooks. We also publish all those things so that other agencies and even public can use. Uh, for example, ATF has a, has a very interesting guide, uh, very interesting guide, which has been published, uh, which has been used and downloaded by various uh, agencies as well as public. Um, so that is how we operate um, 
in that space where uh, we collaborate and we we want to make sure we do the the best thing and the right thing for American public. Yeah, you know, and it's nice because you are able to have so many different experiences at different agencies and get to see just, you know, uh, the journey at all of them. So that is wonderful. We like to wrap this podcast up by asking all of our guests the same questions because you're able to bring your unique experiences. And for you, you know, as I mentioned, your group is able to see so many different agencies beyond just the GSA. So what do you see or hope to see as the future of technology and innovation in the government? The future is bright. Um, as you all know, we, we we live in really exciting and changing times. As we all have experienced in the last one or two years, which has been more dramatic in, in such. Uh, and, and I think um, the one thing which for us, um, which gives a lot of power, um, is the is the guidance from the new executive order? I think that is that is going to play a major role for us, um, and because a lot of things are going to be built on top of that. Um, the other thing is the, the 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 what I what excites me is there is already work happening in government, unlike how others perceive. Because I know there are a lot of working groups, there are many pilots which are happening in various agencies. There are a community of practices. Uh, there are very good community of practices which is doing so much uh, good work. And, and finally, you know the potential about these technologies offering, and the guardrails which the government is putting, so that we have a very safe, secure, ethical, and inclusive adoption of these technologies, which is very much grounded on on the executive order and very much grounded by the principles. Um, that is what is exciting for me. And I'm so excited that now we have a springboard uh, for us to launch. And that is already set. Now it is for us um, as technologists, everyone, um, to make those responsible choices, bring that in the responsible way so that the public can have better service. Well, that's what technology is all about. So fantastic. I think it's been great to hear this particular perspective. I think your perspective on, on in general, and especially around uh, automation, RPA, such a core area. We don't necessarily talk as much about that in every podcast because everybody wants to talk about AI, honestly, and data. But automation is really in there providing value every day. So I think it's really cool to, to hear that from your perspective, especially from all those agencies. So thank you, Gopa, so much. Uh, for being on uh, the Gut Feature podcast and sharing your insights with our audience. Um, thank you, Ron and Kathleen. I really enjoyed this uh, last 30 minutes. It was so awesome and always a pleasure to be with you all. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. Thanks. We enjoyed it too. And listeners, if you've enjoyed this, make sure to rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. We always love to hear from our listeners and let us know what you've enjoyed and different topics you'd like us to dig deeper into. And also make sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can get notified of all of our upcoming episodes. If you haven't done so already, we encourage you to go to govfuture.com slash join to become a member of GovFuture and take advantage of all that the community has to offer, including access to a diverse network of government innovators, opportunities to collaborate with different government agencies, exclusive access to events and resources, 
and a platform to have a voice in shaping the future of government innovation. I'll link to the govfuture.com slash join in the show notes as well. And if you'd like to dig deeper into any and, you know, get additional details on any of the topics that we discussed today, I encourage you to go to govfuture.com slash resources, which is a resource page tailored just for you, our GovFuture listeners. And we provide greater uh, details and resources, uh, including books, courses, checklists, explainer videos, webinars, and more. To view this episode's show notes, find additional episodes, subscribe to this podcast, and join the fastest growing community of government innovators, go to govfuture.com slash podcast. This sound recording and its contents are copyright GovFuture, all rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening to the GovFuture podcast and catch you at the next episode.